welcome to episode two of Obsessed with Disappeared, the podcast where we tell the stories of missing people by recapping everybody's favorite true crime show, ID Channel's Disappeared. Disappeared. Girl, I realized upon listening to episode one, we didn't get much of like who you are in the last episode. Okay. I am Ellen Marie Marsh. Uh-huh. I am a mother of Lola Grace, who's 10 years old, who I might bring up every once in a while. Oh, God. She is the world's most polite human being. Oh, no. More She's, polite than you. She is way more polite than me, <laughs> and she calls me out on it. I work on Broadway. Patrick and I went to college together. I think we mentioned that on the first episode. I don't even know how we have stuck together for so long. Oh, I The mean, odds were stacked against us. The, because we're the same person. I mean... Except I'm hotter. Yeah. We are the same. We are so similar in our very intense personalities. Oh my god! Intense, intensely loyal, intensely crazy, intensely loud, combative. Combative is a word I would use to describe our relationship. I mean, (laughs) we have ended our friendship probably upwards of forty times. And you always know which one of us is wrong in a fight because that's the one of us like this is not going to end the friendship. Let's get into episode two of Disappeared, you guys. This is called A Mother's Secret, and it tells- You guys, I'm exhausted just looking at my notes. I know. It tells the story of Paige Bergfeld. I said, if she's missing, you're involved in a crime. She would never have left her kids. A devoted mother of three, beloved by friends and family alike, disappears without a word one hot summer day. I said, well, where's Rob? That was my first concern after everything she had been saying to me. Friends are convinced that Paige's recent ex-husband must be involved. But detectives discover a secret part of Paige's life that holds more clues. What we had learned was that she had been putting herself out there as an adult escort. Not even nightlife.com advertised everything from threesomes to partner swapping, erotic massage. Whatever line of work Paige is in, the job of the police is the same. Who is it out there that thinks that they can take away from my grandchildren their mother? Who is this person? What kind of a human being is this? Girl, this is one of the ones with an update. We find out in the end what happened. I know. And it happened after the fact. Way after the fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a stay through the end. Yeah, spoiler at the end. Do not fast forward. God. Sorry, I know that got really violent. Okay, the story starts Friday, June 22nd, 2007, Grand Junction, Colorado, 2 p.m., you guys. Hey, we're having a pool party. Yeah, there was a pool party with her girlfriends. The kids are swimming. They're having fun. There's lady talk involved. <laughs> <laughs> lady talk, the working name of this podcast. Friday, June 22nd, another gorgeous sunny day in western Colorado. Devoted moms Barbara Campbell and Paige Bergfeld are enjoying a pool party with their kids. My only note in this whole section was it's kind of early in the season for a pool party. Yeah, I mean, truly. It's a little chilly. Yeah, okay. Also, it didn't look like a really nice pool. No offense, Barb. I'm sure your house is great. Oh, I have words about Barb. I'm not a Barb fan, but go on. (laughs) So, So Paige, who is our protagonist here, she is talking about her ex-husband, Rob. She's super worried about him. She does not like the way he's behaving. Sidebar, she's beautiful. Paige is gorgeous. She's like got this like flowing red hair and she's got this like unassuming face and she just looks like a baby cherub angel mom. She's also one of those like people who I feel like does that thing where she's wearing the glasses and the hair up in a French twist and then like takes the glasses off and pulls the pencil out and all of a sudden she's like And the music starts. It's like We get it. You're on Broadway, Ellen. We know you can sing. (laughs) 
So they start talking about husband stuff. Barbara expresses that her demeanor about her husband went beyond the normal sort of chatting gossipy. On June 22nd, Barbara notices something out of the ordinary in Paige's manner. At the pool party, she was downright scared. It was, I am really afraid that something's going to happen now. Like, the whole thing about the ex-husband, Rob, is that, like, Paige is saying she, like, fears this guy's going to come and get her. Yeah, that comes out more and more that she was actually, like, I mean, borderline scared, right? For sure. And yeah. like Barbara says that her parting words to Paige were like, well, girl, he'll have to come across the mountains and maybe the mountains will eat him. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> My parting words to her were, don't worry about Rob. To see you, he'd have to come over Red Mountain Pass and maybe the mountain will just take care of him. So it wasn't real polite, but it's one of those things you say to comfort a friend. Barb. Okay, we're going to get back to Barb. <laughs> I have words for you, Barb. Uh, so four days after the pool party, they have their mom get together. On Tuesday, June 26th, about 20 members of the Grand Junction chapter of Mom's Club meet for a night on the town. This was my question to you, because this is a, a group called Mom. It, right? it stands for Mom's Offering Support. No, Mom's Offering Mom's, mom's support. support. Mom's. I feel like you're a member of a million Mom's groups. I would be so scared to be a member of a Mom's group. Yeah, because Moms love to give advice and tell you why you're wrong. Right. They're like, oh, you breastfed. Right. Oh, oh, you formula fed. Oh, you let your baby cry it out. Oh, yeah. Oh, is everything organic? Like, do not get it twisted. Moms. Uh, 50% of those things you said to me, by the way. Yeah. No, moms are the judgiest. Yeah. Like, it is some shade. But it's also like happy hour at the local Applebee's or whatever. Like, this is where this mom. It fully looked like an Applebee's. It fully looked like an Applebee's. And everyone talks about, like, you know, Paige, like, sh- you know, it's all the stuff we always hear about the people that go missing. She was beautiful. She was smart. She lit up a room. She comes in, like, you noticed her. You couldn't help it. Paige showed up a little bit late and she was gorgeous as always. She had her, her normal glow about her. She was here and you were going to notice her. <laughs> Not because she insisted that you did, but just because. That's that was her presence. And I'm like, we get it. Paige, she comes, she sits down at the mom's group, and she's nervous. A couple of people said she looked beautiful, but she seemed sad. There was something in her eyes that was bothering her. Right. So the two friends that we're going to refer to, right, are Barbara and Andrea. Yes. Right? Those are the two main friends that we talk to. Yeah. And they say that, you know, she was a very devoted mom. She had all her side business and side hustles, but she was always very devoted. She was like a quintessential mom, right? Yes. That's to say mom's club was always a natural fit for Paige, with her devotion to family and to her children above all else Paige loved her children so much she enjoyed being successful but i know in her heart of hearts she probably wished that she just didn't have to work at all and could be with them all the time we were all in awe of her she had a million jobs million jobs and so like she worked for pampered chef which we'll get to in a second oh uh, yeah don't get me started about pampered chef well pampered chef is that thing where it's basically you have dinner parties and you invite people over and they buy the shit you made the dinner with right i mean i just hate cooking anyway i also have a friend who just started a pampered chef business and was trying to sell me like a garlic squeezer or whatever you call it Nobody needs a garlic squeezer. Do you know what I need to cook food? Not garlic squeezers. A phone to call call for delivery. (laughs) Seamless. It's so New York, but like if I, I owned clothes, I'd be Carrie Bradshaw. I'd be using my oven for the sweaters. I know. And like the thing about Pampered Chef is you see the stuff and it looks amazing. It makes you want to cook. I know, but you know what I hated about what they talked about Pampered Chef? What? It's for the stay-at-home mom. Pampered Chef is a wholesome type of business that women who were home with their kids, it was something they could do because they could have the parties at home and, and not have to go out 
of work. We also get this journalist that wants to tell us like she was so successful at it. Paige Bergfeld really made money at it. It sounds like she was good at it. And I'm like, but hang on a second. Yeah. Isn't the whole model of Pampered Chef that you just sell shit to your friends? Yeah. Don't you eventually run out of friends yeah. who need spatulas? <laughs> I know. Even you, who has eight zillion friends, would run out of people to sell shit to. Yeah, no, I know. Actually, you should do Pampered Chef. You probably <laughs> do really well. You what have 8,000 like, friends. Boop, 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 beep, beep, boop. And you're like, what are you doing, Ellen? Just signing up for Pampered Chef. I actually do need a garlic squeezer <laughs> or whatever it's called. So we're actually the day after. We're at Thursday, June 28th. I wrote 2097. Okay. <laughs> it's going well on my notes. <laughs> so she called Andrea because she had just been at this like girls night out. Yeah. So she's talking to her friend Andrea. She sounds better. And because what's happening is they say like this positive force is returning to her life. I was in a hurry and I rushed the conversation. And of course, hindsight, I wish I hadn't. But she sounded very happy. She sounded like she was really looking forward to the day. Paige, in fact, has exciting plans. A positive force from her past has come back into her life. Her first love. She's getting back together with her first husband. This is, by the way, where we learned that Paige had a first husband. Yeah, we go back nine years. Her first husband was this guy, Ron. And I love this part because we go back and, like, we're seeing photos of her from high school. You know, Paige, as a high school kid, was kind of skinny, gawky braces, so forth. Oh my god, and like the 80s bride. She's a full-on <laughs> 80s bride. She is did, living her but veil But did you notice dreams. in the wedding photos that his hair was longer than hers? I He's know. like, well, has a ponytail. It's so cute. Oh, it was I... my Michael Bolton hair dreams from the 80s. Oh god. But what happened was they met when they were really young. Paige goes to nursing school in Florida and like, she's like really smart and she's studying and then Ron goes down to join her and the dad's like, and then that took a pretty quick left turn. I think right. they, they stopped studying pretty fast. She actually got a four-year scholarship in nursing, University of Florida in Gainesville. And then Ron Bigler moved down there too. And I would assume that uh, distracted the academic uh, pursuit. So they ended up moving back to Denver and got married fairly promptly after that. So they get married and it's going great. And then she wanted kids. Right. And he didn't. Right. Which is a conversation you should have before you get married. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not passing judgment on the deceased, but it's fine. They consciously uncouple. But they stay friendly. Yeah. You know, over the years, they stay in touch. And then we're back to present day because they're like suddenly dating again. And they sort of like rekindle this romance three months before she goes missing. So he lived in Denver and she lived in Grand Junction. Yeah. So I actually think this is really sweet. They would each drive. <laughs> oh, you're you're going to cry? Okay. They would each drive two hours and meet in the middle, which was Eagle, Colorado. Which, like, they would just literally drive, uh, like, four hours, two hours each way to have, like, a picnic together for an hour. we've all done some things for some booty. Okay? (laughs) Don't judge me. I know your past. I don't know much about courting. I made Steve move in with me literally on, like, the third date. Well, you were a lesbian. I I was raised by lesbians. I became a lesbian. You were like, remember that guy, Steve? Yeah, he's moving in. I was like, can we have some conversations, please? We legitimately rented a minivan. Wait, I'm sorry. Who loaded the minivan with you? Oh. Oh, you did it. Uh, your backpack was stolen that day. AKA, you lost a backpack full of my valuables. <laughs> I, you know what? You know what? You know what, loyal listeners? This is what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to fisticuffs. You know who needs our help? Paige. Okay. I know. <laughs> it was a Thursday. She made arrangements to meet Ron Bigler halfway between Denver and Grand Junction. She drove two hours east, he drove two hours west. 
for Paige. June 28th is starting out to be a very good day. So it's Thursday, June 28th. They meet in Eagle, Colorado. They have a cute, like, lunch together. And then... They have a picnic. I know. They have a romantic picnic by the river. So they head back to their respective cities. Right, they go their separate ways. She heads back to Grand Junction. He heads back to Denver. Yeah, and, and we are told that he calls her two hours later, and she answers and she's not quite home yet. When he arrived in Denver, about two hours, he called her. She wasn't quite to Grand Junction. This is where I start being like, I got my eye on you, Ron. Right. I got my eye on you, Ron. I know everybody likes you, but I also know how this show works. Right. We know. We know. I'm just saying right here, I got my eye on this Ron guy. So after that, he doesn't hear from her that night. So he calls her Friday morning. The phone immediately goes to voicemail. Okay. I don't know about you. Yeah. If my phone goes to voicemail, yeah. I'm dead. <laughs> Literally, call the cops, the authorities, and the news. My phone hasn't been turned off in 10 years. My poor phone is like, girl, yeah. I need a break. Girl. <laughs> like, when they're, like, at the theater and they're like, turn off your phone, I'm like, well, I'm not turning off my phone. <laughs> like, I'm silencing my phone, <laughs> but I'm not turning off my phone. I keep my phone next to my head. I mean, if you are in jail at 4 o'clock in the morning, yeah. I don't care who you are, you're going to want to call me. Because right, I am answering that phone. And she's got a safe full of cash in her house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, she's got the bail money. If you need to get out of jail for a.m., I'll give you the number. We'll put it on the website. Ron continues to call Paige's cell phone. He called her several times during the day, and it rolled over each time. Never touched base with her. Saturday morning, he called again, and it still did that. This time, he called the house. And what Ron learns scares him. So Ron keeps calling and calling and calling. This turns us into Saturday morning. So, okay, Saturday morning, we meet Paige's dad. And Paige's dad is telling us, Saturday morning, Ron calls the house again. And the eight-year-old answers? The it says, eight-year-old my answers. My mom hasn't been home since Thursday night. Yeah. To which I wrote, have these kids just been home aloneing it <laughs> since Thursday? <laughs> I would like a little clarity. The mom hasn't been home since Thursday night. It's Saturday morning. Yeah. So that's when Ron decides to call the cops, the Mesa County Sheriff's Office. He calls on Saturday, June 30th, right? Which is what you would do if you're the killer and you're trying to deflect the attention. (laughs) Am I wrong? Oh, no. No, absolutely. I love a red herring. Right. (laughs) So this is where we meet Silver Fox Stan Hickley. Hey, girl. I literally was like, Patrick is going to love this guy. <laughs> the first time I heard the name Paige Burfield was on June 30th, uh, the day that she was reported missing. I like a guy in a badge, I will admit. <laughs> he's not really my type, but okay. I, he's like super in control. And I kind of was like, oh, girl. No, he's sexily in control. He's sexily in control. For yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. For it's sure. funny, too, because there's this shot of him at his desk. It's like an establishing shot of him. Like, you know, they told him like, OK, girl, I know this is dumb, but just sit there and don't move. We're going to like move the camera past your face. <laughs> and he's got this smirk on his face like this shit is so stupid. I cannot believe my boss made me do this. Yeah, but he's pulling up for it. He's he totally pulling is. up for the shot. Yeah, He's yeah, in yeah. for it. So that's when Paige's dad gets the call. It's yeah. Saturday morning. This is one of these moments that's uh, freeze-framed in my mind. There's certain events that you just can see it. Everything stops and uh, you can see each detail. I'd gotten a cup of coffee at McDonald's and my cell phone rang and uh, the caller identified himself as 
a deputy sheriff with the uh, Mesa County Sheriff's Office. The dad is at the McDonald's getting his coffee. I know. And he gets the call. And he says, do you remember what he says? Yeah, he's like, it's the moment I'll never forget. Yeah. Like, you, it's like a snapshot frozen in time. He says, well, if my daughter is missing. You're this, involved in a crime. You're involved in a crime. Yeah. I remember I paused and I said, if she's missing, you're involved in a crime. She would never have left her kids. So this is when Hot Hickley, the cop, is saying to the dad, how he gets this information is a little bit confusing. Right. That Paige has been involved in, like, adult entertainment. Right. Twist. (laughs) Totally. As a family, we don't know anything about this adult business situation. I'm told by Ron that he knew that she was involved in an adult business. And he was aware she was going to meet clients Thursday night. And I assume we're talking about adult business clients. The thing that I kind of love about this is nobody is scandalized. Everybody live your best life. Oh, just wait. Yeah, I, I know. The, uh, Barb, this is where Barb circles back. Barb the friend? Yeah, Barb the friend. Who you know bought more than she could afford with the Pampered Chef. Oh, God. She, she is still paying that yeah, shit off. she also got a tragic perm. We're not going to talk about it. It's so grown out. Girl, Barb, call me. It's fine. So we find out that the first husband. Ron, who she just had the sexy picnic with. Right. He knew that she was an adult escort and had a problem with it. Yeah. She had been in the adult business for a long time. So we find out that she was on a website called called Naughty Nightlife. NaughtyNightlife.com is a website where you can arrange what what appeared to me to be sexual encounters. NaughtyNightlife.com. Dot com. Look, there's no point in pretending like I don't know my way around the dirty sites of the internet. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's no way that I can talk about this with any sort of, like, scandal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she was on a sexy website, you know? And we meet this reporter. This is annoying to me because this reporter says, like, Paige was an escort, but she wasn't that kind of escort. Like, she tried to make hers look classy. Paige tried to make her profile look a little more high class than some of the things on Naughty Nightlife. She advertised herself as as filet mignon as opposed to chopped meat. She advertised herself as filet mignon, not chopped meat. Yeah, and like she's available for private erotic massages right. or dancing, like private dancer or for parties. I was right. like, Paige. Yeah, Paige, girl. Stay yeah. safe out there is what I'm saying. Like yeah. that, just stay safe. With the Naughty Nightlife, do you know what my favorite part was? What is it? As with Paige's other jobs, she is well organized in her escort business. <laughs> she was well organized. I was like, put on you, girl. It is a business, honey. You are going to be organized. John is coming at 6. Jacob is coming at totally. 7.30. You are being organized. But it's another example of, of the double standard of how she's being treated as like a wealthy white woman doing this as opposed to like a person of color. It's like everyone is going out of their way to be like, we're fine. It's fine. It doesn't bother me. Oh, yeah. Some of my best friends are escorts. Yeah, her girlfriends were like, oh, yeah. I mean, Paige totally. is always like comfortable with her body. <laughs> I was like, bitch, she was an escort. Okay. But so anyway, so we find out with more digging that she's rented an office space. This this part is so bananas. It's my favorite thing. Wait, so it's on the count of three. Say what she told the landlord she was doing. Ready? One, two, three. Acupuncture. Acupuncture. (laughs) Paige has been renting this office since March 2006. But no one in the building has any idea of what actually goes on in this room. 
The landlord thought that she ran an, an acupuncture office. That's what she had told him and never had any reason to suspect anything different. Paige, and again, I'm giving her props. I'm like, girl, you do you. You get your business out whatever you need to. Whatever you need to do, the acupuncture. Thing, yeah, so she advertises that she does in-calls, out-calls, whatever. So she'll go to your place or you can come to her office. Paige rented an office where she could do these erotic massages. Yep. And she told the landlord she was an <laughs> acupuncturist. And this reporter is like, everyone really liked her, but it was, people had some questions. One of the odd things that some of the other people in the building can notice was that in her office, she had a pin cushion with needles stuck in it. Yeah, because if you went into her office, yeah. there was like, so you know, like a pin cushion for like people who sew? Yes. There were needles like <laughs> yes. in the pin cushion. Yeah. And for but the- like, like, like acupuncture needles. Right. In the pin cushion. Right. <laughs> And that's not the way acupuncturists operate. I mean, a, a true acupuncturist has needles that are sterilized and they're in paper. That just um, was kind of a, almost a joke. And they're like, so she had these like needles in a pin cushion. She would wear like skimpy skirts and like bustier bras. And there would just be like lines of men yeah, just coming men, in just and out. Dudes. <laughs> it was like, yeah, my name's Jeremy. I love my acupuncture. She really gets my pressure points. <laughs> Like, <laughs> but I was like, okay, imagine this were me, right? And I was pretending to be an acupuncturist. Could you imagine? I would be so scared that people were going to bust me. And I would, so like when nobody was there, I'd be like pretending to be on the phone being like, and so I said to her about her chakras, <laughs> are they aligned? Are they aligned? <laughs> What's like, a chakra, Mr. Hines? Oh my God. Uh... Didn't she just perform at the Super Bowl with J-Lo? <laughs> Shocker, you're, you're a monster. In this section, they also have her in costume. Like, they have the actress, like, oh in these, gosh. like, mink coats. Yeah, with, and, like, like the-, the shoes come out of the car with the butterflies on them. I was like, Girl. The Carmela Soprano rings. Yeah, like, I'm no. just, it's a little over the top idea. Um, I love you. So then this is where the other women start to be super supportive of Paige. Her friends, I know. They're like, it's not a big deal. Like, she was really comfortable with her body. <laughs> and like, you know, she just was doing massage. Right. You know, those men were sore. Paige needed to make ends meet. She told me that a friend of hers had taught her how to give massages. And so we felt like, well, of course, Paige is just giving massages, perhaps not fully clothed or something. <laughs> but who's to say you can't do that? Barb is kind of like, look, she did massages with not very much clothes on. That's not a crime. You know, she was the most supportive. Like Barb is like your go to bitch. <laughs> she was the best was when she said she would go to parties and strip for men. But you know what? Paige always loved her body. <laughs> It's so I know. funny. It really is like, also like, you know, we all have that one hot friend that could totally get away with this. Totally. You're it, by the Listen, way. don't think I didn't think of it. Like three years out of college, I was like, could I do like just a weekend? I know. I could never, no one's paying for an erotic massage from me. I mean, listen, back when these boobs used to stay up at attention by themselves, <laughs> it was honestly my prime time. I, I missed the window. Um, <laughs> so we go to her ex-husband. Yes. We're doing a time jump again. Yeah. We're going back to, to learning about how Paige married the, the man that she married and right. had the three kids yeah, with Yeah, it Rob. does a lot of jumping in this document. Rob Dixon met Paige while she was dancing at the Mile High Saloon in Denver. Uh, they hit it off and were married. 
Paige's friends explain that she is someone who goes out and gets what she wants. In 1997, she wants Rob Dixon and all the financial security he offers. What we learn in this section is that this time in her life when she's pretending to be an acupuncturist is not the first time that she's like done adult entertainment. Plot twist! I, I Again, it like all of a sudden, halfway through the documentary, drops the bomb. This was not the first time Paige was involved in adult entertainment. I know. Turns out she was a stripper in 1995 in Colorado, and that was where she met her second husband, Rob, was when she was stripping when she was married to her first husband. He didn't like it. Right. It's one of the reasons they got divorced. Right. And at the strip club where she was working, was where she meets Rob, her second husband. At the Mile High Saloon. <laughs> My favorite part about this was like, <laughs> her friends all are like, I mean, Rob was fine, but she definitely liked him because he was rich. <laughs> when Paige met Rob, um, he came from a very wealthy family. So in part, she was attracted to that because she could be the stay-at-home mom. He was so <laughs> rich. We get into that. Oh, God. So Rob came from a wealthy family. He made a fortune during the 90s. Do you remember how he made his fortune? His dad was one of the pioneers in the cell phone industry. Pioneers of the cell I know. phone. I mean, that's not like being rich. That is money. Yeah. That is like next level But money. they don't really get into it. It feels like it yeah. was very dirty money. It feels like they... they yeah. We also learned that Rob invested all of his money right. with a fellow that he met at the strip, strip club. club. <laughs> Rob entrusts his money to an investor he meets in a strip club. And for a while, returns are good. He was like, hey, buddy, you like titties? Me too. You want to take some couple million of my dollars? Like, what? They just, like, dropped that bomb. You want to take a couple million of my dollars? Like, I don't know why they all are from the South. I have no idea. They're literally in Colorado. Like, but whatever. The thing I love about this is they, like, drop these bombs. They're like, and he met an investor at the strip club. You're like... Rewind! Go I back! Go back to the strip club! <laughs> the thing is, you have to be loaded to go to a strip club because, like, drinks cost $50. Right. And so this guy that he meets at the strip club is not only an investor, he manages his money. Yeah, and they say that, like, the returns were good at first, and Rob is, like, living the high life. They live in this town, Grand Junction. I don't know anything about it, but apparently... Paige's dad tells us it's the kind of place where, like, if you want to fit in, you get a pickup truck. And he loved to show off his money. He had nine cars. Nine cars. None of them a pickup truck. Rob at one time had expensive Porsches. He had Lexus, Jaguars, Range Rovers, and a lemon yellow Ferrari. A lemon yellow Ferrari? A lemon yellow Ferrari. Yeah. I just have in huge letters. He has nine cars. He has Who nine cars. Who needs nine cars? They keep cutting to their house in Grand Junction being like, and this fancy house. I actually I'm like, truly didn't look that fancy. No. It looks big. I mean, it's like a ranch style one yeah. story house and it seems like long right, or whatever. Yeah. But the other thing is that he and his dad become philanthropists and they start this foundation. Rob Dixon is a trained paramedic. That's what he likes to do. He likes to help people in their time of need. Rob and his father began a foundation, the whole purpose of which was to supply needed equipment to fire departments, paramedics on the western slope of Colorado. They're giving equipment, equipment right. to paramedics and fire departments in Colorado that desperately need it. Right. Which is great. Put a pin in that. Pin in that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Can, can you tell something's going to go wrong? Yeah. So, you know, things are fine. Like, he and Paige are married. They've got three kids. It seems like they're on top of the world. And then 9-11 happens. And somehow... I mean, I guess I don't remember 9-11 all that well, even though I was here for it. But, like, the economy of the world crashed that day. Right. And apparently that resulted in Rob, like, losing his fortune. Yeah. And so, you know Barb? Oh, God. <laughs> I just have never liked Barb. Okay, go on. 
I just think Barb is I like know. a yes woman with a bad perm. Okay, I've said it once. I'll say it again. Okay, go on. Well, Barb is telling us that like when the money starts to go away, things start to really fall apart at right. home. And she says that like they would come over and Rob would just like never be around. Like he'd be in the bedroom. Right. He would go in the bedroom and close the door. Just avoidance. It set up a really awkward tension that was really upsetting to her that he'd make no point of being a part of anything that she was doing. In the reenactment, they have this <laughs> actor. Exactly what you're they say. totally like shot this reenactment like in a hotel room or whatever. Yes, he's totally in a hotel. You guys, I love this show so much. Watch every episode. I am obsessed with it. And but part of it is because of things like this. They shoot it in like a hotel room, which is meant to be like their fancy bedroom. Right. The actor Rob is sitting on the bed with a computer and he's got a pillow behind yeah. his head propping it up. And he's on the computer and I was like as though he can't afford a desk. Right, yeah. Just the way they have him propped yeah. up. We see this shot like four different times. Totally. With this like pillow behind his head on this bed in what is clearly a hotel room. Clearly. <laughs> He's like, call time at the Best Western. <laughs> 9 a.m. All actors, 9 a.m. at the Best Western. Hot breakfast of um, steamed waffles. And oatmeal. So we're to assume that after 9-11, things just deteriorate. Years past, all the friends, Barb with the bad perm included, right. <laughs> are getting worried, feel like everything is going downhill. And then in 2004, we have a 911 call. My husband and I were in a fight, and he was supposed to watch my children while I went to work. He didn't seem to be okay, so I said that I was just going to take the children with me. But he wanted the children to stay with him. And he said that I would come home and find them all murdered. So that's Paige. We hear that call, and then we get Rob's lawyer, who's like, she was just making that up. The first time Paige called 911, she made an accusation that Rob Dixon was going to kill the children. That had no basis in truth. Oh, she, I okay. know. Scott <laughs> I know. Robinson. Before we even recorded, I, I was know. like, you know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about Scott Robinson. And Patrick's like, save it for the broadcast. <laughs> and I was like, okay, hold on. For the broadcast. For the bro- <laughs> you guys, he has filled me with vodka. It's it's a day. We've had a day, okay? I have, quote, filled her with vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm not a big drinker. I've had a drink. It's called the broadcast or podcast. Save it for the podcast. But anyway, you actually did say that because all I want to talk about is Scott Robinson. Don't get me started. Don't even get me started. But Go he's on. a gaslighter. He's telling us that like she was planting seeds, yeah. trying to make him look bad. And Rob was very confused about why the police had even been called. Right. Like, like it, And the Paige is, isn't here to defend Paige herself. Paige isn't here to defend herself. And Scott Robinson, garbage lawyer, was like, oh, well, that wasn't true. It's not based on truth. Listen. Believe victims, believe women, end of story. End of That's story. not even part of the conversation. It was soon very clear he had done nothing wrong and had no bad intentions. And it may have been the start of her campaign to get Rob Dixon out of the house. And the lawyer says it was the beginning of her campaign to get him out of the house. Yep. And then, you guys, he doesn't leave for a year. You would think that if she was having a campaign to get him out of the house, she'd be calling 911 every five minutes, keeping a journal. Totally. And he says my two favorite words. Do you want to know what my two favorite documentary words are? Can you guess them? Two favorite documentary words? Yeah. Befuddled. Rob was befuddled. (laughs) And hogwash. Hogwash. You know what mine is? We just came up in a recent documentary on True Crime Obsessed. What? A foot. 
a foot. Right, sure. But he says, Rob was befuddled. Oh my or they're God. like, that's hogwash. You know how we know it wasn't hogwash? He was arrested for domestic violence a year later. We get another 911 call, which yeah. we actually don't get the audio of. Right. But she claims that Rob slapped her, shoved her while she was holding their children. He calls her, her a whore. A whore because she had her sexy massage clothes in the car. Paige called 911 and said that um, Rob Dixon had slapped her and shoved her while she was holding their youngest child. And at that time, he was arrested for domestic violence. So, like, he's arrested for domestic violence, third-degree assault, child abuse, and the charges were eventually dropped as part of a plea bargain. But, like, cops don't just arrest people willy-fucking-nilly. Right. So he plea bargained a charge of harassment, and harassment is a big umbrella. But essentially, all he had to do was go to anger management classes. Right. Which is ridiculous. He had three charges. One of them was a felony. Third degree assault and child abuse. So, like, the thing about it, like, this guy is spiraling. And two days after this 911 call, Rob, the husband, declares bankruptcy. And I just wrote, you can't sell one of your nine cars, Rob. Yeah, yeah. He loses $10 million. His Colorado EMT Foundation is unable to pay for equipment it has donated and taxpayers are forced to pick up the tab. I would have to say that Rob Dixon came to town as a hero. He was a godsend and he was Santa Claus. And by the time he left, he was an awful scoundrel. And Rob, like, leaves Colorado and, like, goes and settles on the East Coast, which, again, it's one of those things, as a parent, I can't understand it. Like, you just up and leave your children and go live in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Not that there's anything wrong with Pennsylvania. Also, the one thing that we learned about Pampered Chef is that apparently, like, in their groups where people, like, talk about selling <laughs> spatulas, you can also go there for support, which I Listen, love. Listen, you can go there for support. You can go there for what spice do I use in my arugula salad uh-huh. or also what do I do when my husband is verbally mentally and physically abusive I've looked at the website and it seems to also be a support group for these kinds of women they get on and they tell about themselves and I know that Paige did that she talked a little bit about her divorce and her problems with her former husband Paige said that she was afraid of him one post even said that the kids were afraid that he would come and kill her So she tells her friends that she's actually scared of Rob. Like, actually uses the word. So when Paige goes missing, remember, now we're back to Paige being missing. Of course, all of her friends are like, well, actually, she was really afraid of her ex-husband. Totally. Which makes total sense. Right. They're saying, was it Rob? Was it his temper? But this is where it comes down to facts. Facts are facts. Yeah. They say that his alibi checks out and he was indeed in Pennsylvania. It did not change the facts with regards to where we believe Rob Dixon was during the time of her disappearance and what he was doing at the time. So halfway through this documentary, we're going on the ex-husband train. Yeah. And we got to get off it because his alibi clears he is in Pennsylvania. But bear in mind, like, you don't have to be present to be responsible for the murder. You know what I mean? Like, you're getting ahead of yourself, I know, I know, I know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So this is where we start an actual search. In any case like this, you want to do a cursory search of, you know, the house... One of the things that helped us to gain focus was the lack of things that we saw. We didn't see somebody who came home and packed. Yeah, so Hottie McSilverfox, the cop, he goes and searches the house. She definitely did not leave on purpose. Great. Right. Check that off the list. So we have the dogs come. The dogs go around the house. Love work. Why are dogs the best? Working pups, as working, Jillian calls them. <laughs> Jillian calls them working pups. Working I, pups. I can't. Yeah. I can't. The dogs. I'll listen to anything a dog says, I'll listen. If a dog's like, girl, she's not here, I'm like, then she's not here. The dog said it. She's not here. <laughs> 
Dogs are not 100% reliable. We learned this on TCO when we did the Madeline McCann case. And it's not the dog's fault. Dogs don't speak English. Dogs gonna yet. dog. Okay, so then we have airplanes. Yeah. We go from the dogs to the airplanes. The airplanes are looking for her car. Remember, I mean, I didn't know this about this area of Colorado, but like this area of Colorado is vast. Yeah. And so as they're searching for her car, all of a sudden we get a call that they found Paige's car on fire. Her vehicle then was reported to us on Sunday, found burning in an industrial area of Grand Junction, and it didn't take much to determine that it was probably set deliberately. And this is where they say... Now there's criminal behavior involved with it, and uh, it, it causes you to think about foul play. Her car is on fire! Yeah, I think there might be foul play! <laughs> Once they, they find the car on fire, they bring in what they, they call the cold case canines. <laughs> the cold case canines. And the Abby and Jennifer Recovery Foundation, which is a local search group. So the thing about this Abby and Jennifer Recovery Foundation is that, also, that's like a long domain name. Yeah, we, we could have thought of something <laughs> yeah. cute. Like, ladies who look or something like that. Like, we could have <laughs> we could have done better. I'm sure the okay. Abby and Jennifer thing was very important. Abby I'm just and saying. Jennifer Recovery Foundation. Yeah, they're searching and searching. They don't find Paige anywhere. They are searching in canyons, meadows, river, and Barbara with the bad hair yeah. says... It was uh, probably the thing that made me really start freaking out and thinking that something truly awful had happened. We just assumed she was dead. We're looking for a body. Yeah. So then, a few days into this search, they find... Like, this is fucking crazy. They find, like, contents of her wallet. There were some items found in an area approximately 15 miles away from where the vehicle was found on a uh, state highway. It was exciting and hopeful at the same time that it was terrifying and sad. But this is July 15th. They found her car July 1st. July 15th, they find the contents of her wallet. Yeah. Which included... A Blockbuster card. (laughs) You were going to go to that first. (laughs) It includes her license, so we know it's hers. Checkbook, so we know it's in the Blockbuster rental. I know, I know. They say to us, like, it was either Jennifer, like, throwing it out of a window, desperately trying to leave a trail, or the killer placing it there to throw everybody off. Right. It's a red herring. We never get any answers on this. Right. So... They continue to look all summer long. And I said that Barbara is the one who says we're looking for a dead person. And I just wrote, shut up, Barbara. (laughs) I don't know why. I just can't stand it. Come on, Barbara. So remember like a month ago, they found the car on fire. I guess a month later, after they found the wallet, they found the blockbuster card and the license. They then bring in the cold case canines. Like They bring them to the car and the cold case canines lead them to a business. These cold case canines sniff out the area where Paige's car was found and lead investigators directly to the door of a local business. A man is about to be named a person of interest. And we get this like pre-commercial like a person of interest is about to be a Have I told you how much I hate the word person of interest? No. I just hate the word person of interest. I know. Because it's not a suspect. Right. It's a person of interest. <laughs> like, I have a list of people who are a person of interest. Like, Michelle Obama is a person of interest to me. <laughs> Lady Gaga is a person of interest to me. A person of interest. I just need another I name. I, I have so many persons of interest. <laughs> what? Ugh, don't get me. It's just a horrible name. The canines were 
uh, useful in tying the car to the business. As a result of that, we're left with Lester Ralph Jones as a person of interest in this investigation to us. This, uh, I don't know what to call him because I don't want you to yell, but this p- person of interest. No, stop saying that. <laughs> I need another word. All right, we'll call him the guy we think did it. Great. So the guy they think did it, this guy Lester Ralph Jones, he's a, a local mechanic, and the thing about it is that we learned that he was kind of obsessed with her. Fixated on Paige. There is talk in the town that Lester Jones and Paige know each other, and that he may be a client whom she refused to meet. And we learned that like he may have been one of her like adult entertainment clients that she said no to. And she found him repulsive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Can how... Can you bo- imagine? Like, I'm not saying everyone should think I'm hot, but if there was people out there who thought I was repulsive, that would really hurt my feelings. Totally. So the thing is, we learn a little bit about this guy, and he he has an ex-wife. He's 6'6", 280 pounds. He served time in prison for, quote, an act of violence against his ex-wife, and then we get the story. Oh, the story. Go with the story. According to Delta County Sheriff's records, in 1999, Jones chased his estranged wife up a mountain road in his car fast enough to set off her airbags. Her friend jumped out of the car and started running away, and Jones fired a gun at him. The bullets went through his hat. So then he serves three years in prison for domestic violence. So we get all of Paige's friends. Most of her friends are saying to us, like, look, this guy Lester's a total dirtbag, but we don't think it's him. We think it's the ex-husband. They're basically saying, even if the ex-husband, Rob, was, Rob. wasn't there, maybe he hired Lester. Right, and because Bra- Barbara's fixated on that. <laughs> Barbara is like, I just can't let that go. Well, I've never been able to let go of the idea that... Rob Dixon was somehow involved in this. He was the only person she mentioned being afraid of. The thing is, like, there is some random connection between Lester and Rob where they both worked for the same company at one time or something. It's all very unclear because Garbage Scott Robinson says that they did not know each other. Right. But Barbara insists that they did know each other. Do you know what Scott Robinson says when the accusation that Rob and Lester knew each other was? What? Hogwash! <laughs> How did I not see that coming? I don't know. He says, oh, hogwash. (laughs) The claim that Lester Jones was being manipulated by Rob Dixon is hogwash. But the Uh, whole thing is like, the way that the original airing of this ends is that the cops are searching Lester's business. They're searching his house. They're taking out trash bags of evidence. They never arrest him. And it's this weird, I don't, I have not seen a ton of episodes of Disappeared. I'm just obsessed with it. But I guess like when there's an update, you guys get ready for the update. Because people are talking as like what they would have done in the original airing. And they just start showing over that like on-screen text of like the update. It's like the dad underneath being like, well, I guess we'll never find out what happened to her as they're flashing what happened. Right. And ID channels like, hold on a second. We do know. We do know. We do know. (laughs) So there's an update. Tell them the update. So the update is in 2012, her remains were found by a hiker. A hiker. I mean. Who hikes? First of all, who fucking hikes? Get out of (laughs) here. Yeah. Her remains were found by a hiker. Two years later, Lester Ralph Jones was charged with her murder and pleaded not guilty. After a mistrial, they retry the case. Jones is found guilty of kidnapping and murdering Paige and sentenced to life in prison. In my Googing, things left out of the episode were on days leading up to her disappearance. There were several calls and exchanges between a man named Jim and Paige. But it was sketchy because the call came from like a prepaid phone card and the calls were made to Paige were suspicious. The police found that... The person linked to the purchased calling card Uh 
was Lester Ralph Jones. No way. And they actually had surveillance <gasps> of him buying the prepaid phone card. Oh, my God. So nine years later and two trials, he was found guilty of murder. I guess we're doing this, right? I know, I guess. (laughs) Are you having fun? I'm having so much fun. I'm having so much fun with you. I'm having so much fun (laughs) watching this show. I love ID. I love Disappeared. It's just so much fun. You guys, stay tuned after the episode for our outtakes. If you didn't listen to the episode one outtakes, (laughs) go back and look. They're they're all so ridiculous. Girl, tell the people the social media handles for the show and for me. Okay, you can find (laughs) us on Instagram at the Disappeared Pod, and you can find us on Twitter at Disappeared Pod. Know that. Where am I at, girl? I will tell you where you're at. You're on Instagram (laughs) at Patrick Hines underscore. I'll still never understand the underscore. And on Twitter (laughs) at Patrick Hines. And where can they find me? Patrick? Well, if you'd like to follow my friend Ellen Marsh, who has a dreadfully small Twitter following, you can go to at Ellen Marsh on the Twitter and at Ellen Marsh on the Insta. Our Instagram for this show, The Disappeared Pod, go and follow. We're doing stories where I'm playing like ridiculous clips and like outtakes and stuff while I'm editing. I'm teaching Patrick to look at the camera when he talks. Don't worry. It's a six-week course. He's coming along slowly but surely. Thanks, girl. And oh, and Ellen and I are going live all the time. We do lots of like Insta lives. We love engaging with you guys. Tag us in your stories tag us in your photos we will respond we'll share girl tell them the id stuff okay so all of the episodes of ids disappeared are available for streaming now on id go and the first season of disappeared is streaming for free on id go so go check it out there is a complimentary digital series that Patrick is obsessed with called The Missing. Obsessed. He's obsessed with Missing. It's available on Facebook Watch with new episodes that post every Tuesday on ID's Facebook page. So go check it out. They're 10-minute episodes. They're full of all kinds of new stuff. And it is just, it's like clickbait. You just can't stop clicking away once you get there. Maybe we'll recap those as like like bonus episodes or something. I mean, that would be so fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're obsessed with you guys. Oh, we love you. Thank you. I hope you guys are staying safe, happy, and healthy, and we can't wait to see you guys all very soon. <laughs> Love you. You're the best. All right, bye. bye. Where is that goddamn backpack? We should do an episode just on that backpack. We should do a whole podcast Where, series. No, it had all of your important things. I in know it. it had a clock that my mom had had like specially made for me for my birthday, and you lost it. Yeah, I lost it. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Hey, did you know that your daughter was like in an adult? Like she was like an escort. She was in adult entertainment, they say. Right, adult entertainment. And the dad was like, <laughs> no, I did not. Like he was so, like, what do you say when I your know. daughter is in an adult entertainment? Like, no, I did not know that information. <laughs> like he's so poor. Dad is I so know. blindsided. <laughs> ladies. <laughs> I just gave them, I don't know. Here's to the <laughs> ladies who look. Everybody rise. Everybody search. And they said she actually said she seemed sad. Yeah, there's somebody's like, she was beautiful, but sad. That's what I said. Yeah, she was beautiful. Not off, not no. having a dead day. She was beautiful, but, but sad. sad. Do you know what Scott Robinson says take when. Take that again, take that again. Do you know what Scott Robinson says? <laughs> Wait, what? what? Am I saying it weird? Do you know what Scott Robinson says? Do you... Okay, ready? Do you know what Scott Robinson says? Did I say it right? Okay. (laughs) Ready? Uh You actually do have a great head of hair. You think? I'm getting... My hair is getting very thin. Yeah, I don't want to say that on the camera. (laughs) What are we on? A microphone? (laughs) What are we on? 